0: hey welcome back to the pss podcast this is adam steins and um before we get going here with our uh guest who is travis moran from cirque i just want to kind of go over a couple things i've got a busy month or so coming up here Uh, one of those things is gsx isn't that right ike
1: yeah that's right we do have a busy month coming up in september we've got um you know, GSX down in Atlanta, and then simultaneously, we've got a target package of a lot of our different materials going out to a National Laboratory to be explosive tested.
0: That's great. Some more validation, the better, right? That's right. Well, and I think, and even with uh, at PSS, uh, we're in the final rounds of having our showroom completed. Uh, there's been a lot of work involved in that, and meetings are starting to get scheduled, and even, what was it, uh, about a month and a half, two months ago, we had our Had a great uh, installer training uh, at the showroom, which was well received. Uh, Not only, uh, you know, we can expand on it, you know, of course, we're going to talk about the installation of PSS products, but looking at a perimeter security job, you know, as a project.
1: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We always want to ensure that people know that um, your fencing job isn't necessarily a fencing job that's a security project I always had that security mindset and so we add that into the the installer course
0: yeah that's it, it was very well received and we look and got some more coming up well uh i don't want to waste more time i want to get right to the uh, podcast we've got travis moran on what do you think ike
1: that's awesome. I haven't um I haven't seen Travis in several years, obviously with the, the pandemic going on, but even maybe a year or so before that. So it's going to be an exciting conversation.
0: All right. Without further ado, here's Travis Moran uh on the PSS Podcast. All right. Welcome to the PSS Podcast. Uh today we've got a guest with us, uh Travis Moran, who is a senior reliability and security advisor for Circ. And also join us is Ike Atlas, our Director of Security. And uh how did you guys meet? Because I know I met Travis through Ike. How did that all go down? Um, Well, welcome, we... Travis, by the way.
2: Oh, thank you. I didn't realize you, that was a prompt
1: to talk.
0: <laughs> you can talk whenever you want. But Ike, how did you guys meet?
1: Um, in Canada, where, well, I don't remember which, um... Was it Canada? Right in Canada, right? I, it was Grids, what are the grid sex? Grid set comics yeah. by Nurk. Yeah, it was in, um... Was it the Montreal one? I mean, I the, the... Not Montreal, the... The Toronto?
2: Quebec? Quebec City? All right,
1: Quebec, let's,
0: Quebec, let's Quebec. get to, yeah. let's get to the point. You guys, I can see your, your brain's hurting trying to think about this.
1: I know, it's, it's been a while, but I think it was in... We're uh, old, I think right. I was in Quebec City. Um, uh, we were there showcasing the the 3D modeling stuff, the first of its kind, and that's 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 where we met. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's right. I knew it was one
2: of the at one of the the it's the GridSecCon for those that aren't aware. It's a it's a Grid Security Conference. It's put on by the regulator of the electric industry every year. And um, at this one, it was out there. And uh, yeah, I can I met. It's awesome.
0: Yeah, and I think, you know, too, and it's, um, you know, I mean, through that, you know, obviously I met Travis and, you know, Travis has always been a sounding board on certain security initiatives that we're working on. He's been a, a great partner in that sense. Um, I got you. And you then, <laughs> yeah, he has. <laughs> and, uh, you know, when we, before we get into this, you know, Travis, why don't you tell us a little about CERC and what you do there?
2: Sure. Um, so CERC is the um, one, it's called the ERO, one of the members of the ERO enterprise. So the ERO is basically NERC, which is a North American Electric Reliability Corporation. And NERC is quasi-governmental. I'll try to be brief with this. It sits under FERC, Thank the Federal Energy Regulatory Commission, and they handle you know policy, procedures, standards, uh, derivation uh, for the energy industry. Under that for the utilities is NERC, okay? And so NERC was brought into existence, um, you know, as a result of the blackouts a long time ago. And then as a result of that, they have promulgated that ability down to six regional entity, EROs, which are part of the ERO enterprise, to do exactly that, to make sure that the standards are developed with the uh, collaboration of the entities um to you know do best practices and create reliability and security throughout the grid, both on the operation side and the security side, so that electricity is uh, uh, just maintained at a steady state throughout all you know all the all the country. Obviously, a very important mission, and there's two pieces, operations and security side on both of that. What my team does is we do outreach assistance and training, and our whole goal is to help coach these entities to do uh, two things really increase their security posture, which decreases their compliance risk posture because they're all subject to these reg- regulations, uh, which are called standards, critical infrastructure protection standards. Uh, it's a suite of standards that goes from uh, uh, two all the way up to uh, uh, 14, encompassing physical and cybersecurity. And that's it in a nutshell.
0: That's great. And I, you've had you've had work with this, correct? Some of your uh, past work you've done?
1: Yep. Yeah, and SIP. Uh, and, uh, 14 uh, realm. Yeah. Yeah. Physical security part of it.
0: Yeah. And, that, and that's really, you know, we're kind of focusing t- uh, today's uh, conversation around strictly the physical security and, uh, you know, for, and going to kind of backtrack here, Travis, you want to give me a quick, uh, just don't talk about yourself too much, but a little bit of what you've done and how you got to where you're at with Circ.
2: Sure. So I did 24 years in the, in the federal law enforcement realm Came out of as an analyst at Interpol, um, and then from Interpol, I went to the U.S. State Department um, as an agent. And then from there, I went to uh, my last uh, 15 and a half, almost 16 years I spent with ATF. And then after that, I retired. Um, when I retired, I went to uh, uh, one of the big, uh, biggest en- uh, energy providers, especially on the electric side uh, in the country, and to do the substation security initiative that happened as a result of Metcalf, which is what CIP-14 came from as a result right. of that physical attack on the Metcalf substation out in uh, Northern California. Um, and have just done various things ever, you know, since, including working at NERC in physical security. And now I'm at CERC.
0: So do you think, I mean, I'm going to state the obvious, obviously that background, how does that help you with it, what you're doing at CERC today? And, um, you, just, you just listed off a lot of different agencies, right? <laughs>
2: well, so th- there's right, 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 right. There's several. There's I several just parts kind of, of pass
0: that. over like Interpol, this, this, this. Well, that's a lot, right?
2: <laughs> so, uh, two. I guess two pieces of way to think about that is one is on the intelligence side. Um, the intelligence side, you just derive a lot, and that's uh, key for this particular industry because one of the subsets requirements within SIP fourteen is um, um, assessments and in those assessments, you've got to understand what the current threat environment, former, current, and, uh, future threat state is for, um, uh, those critical facilities. And, and so the intelligence experience I got from that, uh, was huge both overseas, uh, and domestically and understanding that process. And then also, obviously with ATF, I got a lot of exposure to, you know, stuff getting blown up, uh, right. and, and, and ballistics, which are, um, you know, the whole Metcalf attack was a ballistic attack. And so, you know, you, the confluence of those pieces, you know, have dovetailed quite nicely for the uh, um, uh, physical security piece of the grid. And, um, you know, obviously, you don't know everything. There's a lot of people out there that and uh, physical security that just you know, know way more than I do and are very well versed in, you know, different kinds of locks and hard key mechanisms and so on and so forth so it's that collaboration piece that is so nice about the industry and one of the reasons that you know ike has been such a great uh, person to know is you know his experience on the penetration side and the defense side has just been really really wonderful on that as well
0: it's great ike you want to add anything
1: um well obviously um travis has got a very extensive background in um which obviously um you know puts him in the right position What he's in now and and he's right Um, we we kind of uh fit together hand and glove from the first time we met it was like uh love at first sight i guess you know
2: (laughs) (laughs) yeah but you know you know don't sell yourself short you know your your experience none of us like to you know that's the neat thing about these professions i mean the guys that do want to go out there and brag and whatnot we're not very fond of so um but you know ike is one of those silent soldiers and it would you know for audience sake it'd be nice if they had a little bit of you know ike's background because it is suppressive as well
0: mike well, you want to go into your background really quick just for the people
1: yeah no problem i um yeah retired uh from the military um about six or seven years ago now um my time in the military i f- spent the first half uh as an explosives guy uh an engineer um and then after 911 happened i joined the the green berets and i spent most of the last 14 years of my career um doing green beret stuff but uh i think the it's most tough. significant part of that is uh, <laughs> that <It's tough>. uh, <laughs> stuff i i spent some time on a on a on a special mission organization that liaised between um you know special mission unit interest stuff like that and and america's strategic interest in nuclear power and weapons stuff like that and so I've walked a lot of um, critical um, sites, um, looked at physical security stuff. That's where I, I picked it up. Um, but again, that's uh, that, I, I'm, I'm with Travis. I'm not down on the nitty gritty with like what specific locks or what specific cameras are gonna, um, you know, give you, you the best. You ability. identify
0: it's the threats, ability. right?
1: Yeah, I mean, you. you I'm looking. I'm peeling onions back. Is, is all we're doing, and and then it's a. That's where, um, you know, we probably – we may end up talking about. We talked about it the last podcast, where, you know, we talked about vendors becoming sites um, security experts, um, and that's that's where a vendor can be the security expert on their own specific stuff. But when you're looking at a, a strategic plan, you need a, a little bit looking more qualified guy, a little more hundred thousand foot look kind of guy, I think. And you know, the
2: piece that you know, Ike Brainswood also he has a lot of experience defeating. Um, Technologies And so, you know, that's that's huge. And when we say that we're not, you know, we know what a camera can do. We know how it can zoom. But, um, you know, we, we know the video analytics and the things, AI and stuff that can be put on them, embedded in them. Uh, but, you know, there's just so many vendors out there. And I guess what we're trying to say is we, we're not an expert on each particular vendor's technology. We know the technologies, but each – the nuance to individual vendors has just become um, – you know, it's, it's, it's difficult for the, for the organizations and entities to manage, let alone any one human. That's why I think Ike's alluding to there is, you know, you can become an expert in your own little niche of your own little technology, but you go to the next company. It's like, okay, it's just overwhelming at times.
0: Yeah. It's kind of, you got to look at the, at any security situation as a holistic approach, right? And there's going to be, and make sure like that one piece of technology doesn't drive that DBT or anything. That would be my suggestion, but that's just me.
2: Did he say DBT?
0: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and uh, I did. I'm, I'm, I'm starting to be like you guys.
2: <laughs> For bringing you along well. You, that, hey, that's a great segue. I mean, that's, that's one of the things that I think that we uh, – you know, we, we obviously we should talk about and hope to. Wait, uh, I want
0: to stop it for a second. Travis just actually gave me a compliment, so I'm going to go put this star on the calendar. But go on, sorry, keep going. Well,
2: I was going, you know, I, I was going to stop you before that because you used the word holistic. And I want to make sure you understood what that meant.
0: <laughs> I I've got it on the Google machine right now. <laughs> it's not religious. <laughs> yes, yeah. I'll edit that out. But go on, I'm sorry, Travis.
2: No, so the you know that is again pivoting to uh, how Ike was talking about SIP 14 critical infrastructure structure protection <clears throat> standard 14 is you know you have to do a uh, uh, an assessment of your threats. One of the things we see often in this industry is you know we run down the road, run down the road, spend money, spend money, spend money, but we don't really we haven't identified what the threat is. So what the DBT process is, and it really came out of the military, as I knows, and then DOE in general for government facilities is design basis threat. And it simply identifies what you're trying to protect your asset against. Because, you know, putting in technologies when you don't really know what your threat is and what that threat modality and delivery modality is, is counterproductive. So getting people to understand that uh, in our industry has been huge. In you know, the electric sector through the EISAC, uh, which is part of NERC, uh, and there's a, a group called the Physical Security Advisory Group developed the first dbt uh that i know of that's in out private sector specific that's outside of uh, of uh, any governmental body and it's a living document that gets updated every year and it's been it's been awesome
0: well and that's and when you're when you're looking at that and i kind of want to just kind of segue the next thing is you know when you're looking at this you're looking at security risk versus compliance risk right mm-hmm. and you know you can set up uh like you said like a dbt's you want to expand on that a little bit just because that's what we do see out there is you know, you know, Ike or you guys could go in and say, hey, here's your security risk, but then what's the compliance risk also And you know, you gotta marry those two together uh, because depending on the asset that you're looking to protect. I me, you you,
2: me or Ike.
0: Go uh go ahead, Travis.
2: Well, so it's it's twofold, right? So you can design your thing to be compliant. I mean you can go towards the compliance risk but what we always tell people in our particular group at, uh, at Circ is you know if you go go once go a step beyond right so if you put up let's say you put up the perimeter fence yeah that will get you a, a check mark on certain levels of uh, of parameters that you might on audit get you know compliance but what if that gets defeated Right. What's the What's the next layer of defense in your in your plan that that helps elevate your security posture? Because you elevate your security posture, you're lowering your compliance risk. If you only go to the standard, um, you know, I mean, you can sure you can get through your your process and be compliant, but as you know, I might want to allude to this some, but you're not going to raise you know and have that ultimate security posture.
1: Yeah, absolutely. The uh The minimum standard in the military or any organization, you have minimum standards, right? And they're always frowned upon, especially from the communities that I came from, if you only meet the minimum standard. If you're only just getting by, you're meeting the compliance of the military, right? You're meeting all those. Like you said, you're checking all those right blocks. But you're just barely getting by. And one little trip up can, you know, bring your whole fortress down. And so so he's right. I mean, you got to what's what if your fence gets defeated? What's what's the time that it takes to get defeated? Right. Um, And then what's the next step after that? How are you going to know how many people are defeating your fence? And then you start chasing all those little rabbits.
2: And one of the things to think about is reasonableness. This is not a courtroom uh, construct of reasonableness, but it's a security construct. And because the SIP-14 is pretty ambiguous. Um, to be honest, in terms of what – there's nothing really prescribed in that, but you have to be reasonable in your approach. So you can't just have a, you know, like I said, a fence line um, and then have all these other assets in there. And then, you know, any reasonable auditor will sit there and look at at one layer of security and say, okay, what's next, right? And so, you know, that's the thought process is to go above and beyond. Um, You know, we're not advocating, obviously, people to go – crazy in terms of their expenditures. It's obviously has to be balanced with what's out there in terms of your rate base and your state corporation commissions and all that. And everybody gets that. Uh, but thinking uh, more to use your term holistically about trying to, you know, make a, a, a better security plan and implement it is the way. Thank you.
0: <laughs> well, and so, so this is my question and this is a question industry, you know, when, even when I or you guys say, Hey, I go out to a site yeah, you can hit, you know, you can hit that compliance. And it's, you know, when you say that, it's almost, all well, it's just good enough, right? How do we as an industry kind of raise the bar a little bit to make that compliance a little bit higher? So then it's, you know, it's not that just good enough. We're not just checking a box. You know, we're looking at this as, hey, this is this adversary. You know, this is what we're trying to protect. Because a lot of times out there, it's, I mean, you're kind of going back to it, it's a channel sale that gets all the security equipment in there. or the the thought press, how uh, a site's going to get secured, you know, how do we raise that level a little bit?
1: I think one way um, is um, security industry conferences and benchmarking within, you know, common organizations. Um, And I say that. And that's
0: the thing. There's so many different organizations out there, and, you know, that, you know, uh, in our industry, you could be a security expert if you take a camera class and learn about, you know, the f stops or something like that. I yeah. don't know if that really makes you a security expert. And I say that, you know, and I don't mean to cut you off, Mike. I remember when me and you first went around, uh, when, you know, I met you five, six years ago, we were walking around one of the trade shows, right? And these people all had like, uh, five letters after their name. He's like, what makes that guy a security expert? And it wasn't, it wasn't to be facetious. It's like, no, what, what does that, what does that mean and I couldn't give you a straight answer it's like well you know he took some book classes did some things like you know I you know it's in the, on in the industry there's no standard if that makes any sense and it's somehow we're gonna all have to talk to one another and what that standard is throughout all the groups
1: yeah they're, they're standard they're, um, they're pretty low standards as far as um, I mean it's not a, a low standard or an um, easy achievable thing to get you know, some of those acronyms out there, they're all challenging and stuff like that. But, right. Um but there's no there there's not a necessity for much experience behind that to get certified and then unfortunately um organizations will look for that specific thing and not an experience uh, base always. Um so so sometimes you get Uh, You can't even say younger because I didn't get um, my certification until I was, you know, two years out of retired out of the military. So um, you can't you just have to say, you know, you have to look at the experience versus that that certification.
2: And here's the and you guys bring up an important point, which we're trying. We're hopefully in a future trying to going to try to address with our uh, our team. And that is, you know, you can't substitute. That experience, I mean, you can take those courses, you can get that certification, but there is no substitute for what Ike, for example, did in the field, uh, and continues to do in the field. It just, it just isn't. And so you get into that reasonableness, um, understanding of what is a viable, um, you know, a physical security assessor. And I have seen, um, the gamut, and I'm sure you have as well, Ike, of, of things that you like, Wow, uh, this is, this is what they got in terms of what they paid for. Um, and the, 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 you know, the, the problem, the problem is that, that, that professionalization piece, um, you know, there's only one brick and mortar program out there and it's run by the federal government. It's called, uh, it's run by FLETSI, the physical security training program. And, and we're, uh, we're trying to advocate and work with them at DHS to try to come up with some kind of a, uh, a, a way to, 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 manifest that in a program for our, to, you know, for more people, more private corporations that have critical infrastructure. Um, you know, that's, that I think would be a fantastic avenue because it's a, you know, it's a brick and mortar ground based. You do it, you see it, you feel it, you touch the technology. They don't just, you know, there's classroom time, there's field time, there's all those things that go into it. Now, is it advanced? No, but at least it's a beginning level. Um, and it really is a benchmark to Ike's point, uh, that I think is, it, very, very, you know, you know, all these universities out there, there's cyber and homeland security programs everywhere, right? They all have them. We don't have, a, where's the, where's a brick and mortar physical security program?
0: There isn't one. And, you know, that's, that's something, you know, obviously, you know, about PSS, we do barriers, we do threat assessments, and a big part of that is training, right? That's been a goal. That's what we talked about in the first, uh, first podcast about it, is that, you know, we can have all this knowledge, but if we're not training the people out there, uh what we believe is the correct way or a way of standard, I don't think it does anybody any good. And that's gonna make just the industry and security industry better. You know, um look, we're here to help secure critical infrastructure. That's that's what that's what PSS is all about. And the only way you're gonna do that is through training and seminars. And you know that's why we have our showroom. That's why, you know, the big part of that is bring people in, train. Bring in people like Travis, talk about Circ. Um, that's where I see this kind of going in the future.
1: It has to. Sorry, go ahead. Did
0: you yes. want to say some, Mike?
1: No, it's always about training. It always comes back to that, right? It's, I've said it a million times before. We've ran, I mean, very large um, physical security exercises with, you know, blue good guys and red bad guys and, um, The leadership always asks me as the leader of the bad guys, what did I see out there every time? Well, how can they improve? And it's just get on the range, get on the range, (laughs) learn how to shoot, you know, learn your strategy and learn how to shoot. It it all circles back to training. You can throw all the plates and cameras and armor onto, you know, some of these folks, operators or whatever, and. If they don't have the proper training to use that stuff or to use it correctly, then it's all for nothing.
2: And one of the best ways to find that out is to do tabletop exercises. Yeah, you, know, you 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 do a tabletop exercise, um, and you really and you put you stress it right. You don't go outside. You don't go nuts on it. Right? Some of these things, you know scenarios, people go down the rabbit hole, right? Of just you know, <laughs> oh my god, we got an ICBM coming. No, 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 no. Right? You know, let's be real. But even if you're real, just the communications piece, as Ike knows, it, 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 you get the executives in there with the comms team, the legal team, everything, and next thing you know, this thing breaks down fast. Even if they have a stack of, of policies and procedures, it breaks down fast because you don't have time. If you don't, it's back to the same thing, if you don't train on it, it it's it's no different than a, a vehicle assault. Right? If you don't train on it over and over and over again, you're you're going to fail, and Having those initial tabletop exercises really exposes where those weak points are. I would I would advocate for that. For any, if they don't get anything else out of today's podcast, other than you learn the word holistic, we
1: should have tabletop exercises. That's right. <laughs> yeah, joint and collaborative, um, uh, organization-wide tabletop exercises. Yeah.
0: Yeah, and uh, I think uh, between our two groups, that's something we're going towards. Right. So, um, between Circ and, uh, you know, PSS isn't the only ones doing it. We're not the only ones with this idea. Uh, but I think as manufacturers get on board and look at this, you know, as, as these, uh, as these opportunities come up, whether it be, you know, any site or anything else like that, it comes down to as long as we're making it better, that's it. Uh, as long as it's getting better the right way, I think that's what we're all fighting for. Um, I'm going to kind of, I kind of want to tail off this conversation, so, uh, last I want to kind of go over, what are some technologies you're seeing out there, Travis, on your end that are, you know, you see are actually doing some good or you could see that in the future?
2: Right now, um, the, one of the big ones is, is ground-based robotics. Um, that's the one that has the most scalable, readily scalable, uh, uh mission use. Uh, for, uh, perimeter security in particular, uh, because you can pack these things with sensors, all the different sensors, not to just do, uh, security monitoring, but to do operations and maintenance monitoring, you know, overheating, water, you know, oil leaks. I mean, they can be and packed. That,
0: that's huge though, right? Because n- now you're not just looking
2: at security budget, you're going to operations. Correct. It's not just the recur- expenditure on non-recurring, uh, revenue, uh, assets. So you're, you're actually, and again, that's a great point, always, put in uh, long-term operations and maintenance on these technologies you buy and test, test, test people in the environments because that's the problem is the failures of environments. You know, manufacturers right. will tell you a lot, uh, but they fail. But, you know, tracked, the tracked vehicles, uh, there's experimentation with the uh, the legged vehicles, um, robotics out there because all this stuff can be used and it's going to be used and it's going to be and is being, as I you know, militarized. Um, you know d- drones are more right now uh still a, a a rising escalating threat vector uh for the sector versus a you know um ability to sure. scale but simply because of regulation um you know Florida Power and Light's got a, a a decent program where they're trying to use them uh but it still has to be very very refined uh very very uh intense management uh, to be able to to use them, and you got to go through a lot of steps, is where you can put a you know a land-based robotic vehicle out there and, and get moving. But again, it it has to meet the parameters of the environment. It's awesome.
0: Um, yeah, I, I think uh, well, dr- drones are. I mean, it's funny you bring and I we we talked about it in the past is you know I go to a trade show uh, what four or five years ago. There's a ton of different you know. Uh, Drone services out there, what they can do. And it, you know, then they tried not only, okay, you make the, the physical product better, right? Then they started going like, what software can we do behind it? And you know, start throwing in, and then they, you know, just like anything else, like, well, what analytics can we put with it? And really that's, you know, that t- you said that testing is huge, but I'll t- you know, we were, I was at a show, you know, this past year, a pretty big security show and there was, there was not even a half number of drone companies as it was. Four or five years ago. And Correct. I think it is because of regulation, right?
2: Correct. It, it, it's, it's a, there are use cases. There's valuable use cases, but, uh, you know, to be for flying lines, right? Some companies that still, you know, you use a helicopter terms of man hours. I mean, it's cheaper than trying to move and go and get. So, you know, it, once that scalability happens someday, I don't know when that will happen. Um, uh, you know, there's, you know, there's, there's great use cases for them, you know, to automate particularly high, uh, you know, high tension lines and and you know insulators and look at all those different things um but it's it's just you know the environment of you know aircraft in the airspace is it's difficult
0: well I'm gonna wrap it up here so uh travis what do you guys what do you what do you what's circle looking at uh what what are you guys working on in this upcoming year what's some of your goals?
2: You know, interesting you say that. I got to be careful here because that plan is is in the is in the vetting process right now. Um, but you know I'm not
0: asking to, for exact details. I don't mean I know. I know. I know. Out, like, but you know, I what are, what, want to what hear what are some, some goals you're looking to go after here? I know um,
2: you. I, you you work too hard. One is to uh, uh, increase your vocabulary. Um, <laughs> 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 I couldn't resist. On. <laughs> um, tra- you on, know, <laughs> outreach. Our group is called Outreach and Training and Assistance. And so what we, we coach them through these processes. So we're, we're there to help them, you know, be compliant and increase their security. So we're going to continue to find different modalities how to do that, uh, whether it's our e-learning modules, which if you go to CERC, you'll see all those e-learning modules under Assistance and Training. I mean, everything from insider threat um, um, to, to uh, you know, different c- cyber pieces, SIP c- uh, 6, uh, you know, different, Physical security pieces and cyber pieces are there. We're going to always constantly update those because you need to um, you know, training. That's more than we talked about. That is hopefully to you know get to a place where we can go to regional uh, places and give this kind of training where people you know have that you know certified assistance in terms of utilities. Yeah. Um, you know, hopefully some um, other modalities to where they can you know have a you know templates to, to do things and make it easier on them. Um, yeah you, know, you know, without, again, going into too much detail because it, this stuff has been approved or promulgated yet, uh, promulgated. Do you get Is that? Is that a word?
0: word? <laughs> like, what you? Like, you're just making up stuff at this point. $10
2: <laughs> work. Uh, put forth, approved. Um, you know, we're trying to, uh, continue that, that, that outreach piece and educate, um, all those things, assessments, Learning how to do, you know, walk downs, look for things you, you know, you need to look for, how, what a DBT is. You know, remember the smaller entities where, where the, you know, the field operators are wearing four and five different hats. That's the one, you know, and there are lots of them. Uh, You know, the big utilities have, you know, they have really some decent, very good, robust uh, security programs. It's the smaller ones where they're, you know, they're stressed on budgets and they're stressed on manpower. uh, That, you know, that help is really one of the areas that we're really looking to, you know, target as well.
1: That's great. Ike, you want to add anything? I think that the last thing you just said, Travis, um, um, DBT development for a lot of these places that don't have them is, it, that really is a springboard to get your security system put in place. I mean, you, but you're out, you're just putting fences and stuff up if you don't have a design basis threat. You know what I mean? So I, that's the, I feel like that's that's a big takeaway for me on that, and and should be for everybody else. Get, but, and, understand what your threat is before you start throwing mining at security problems that you don't and, know you have
2: yet. And and and. and here's – so this is – again, it's always so wonderful to be with Ike because we think alike. It is, it is a little bit of okay. a man crush. Oh, yeah, boy. shut up. So <laughs> the, understanding that piece, number one, and then taking the time to do a compre- – if you're going to do a physical security assessment, don't just walk around and check a door and say there's a lock there and a camera there. I mean that's just – it defeats the purpose, a comprehensive counterterrorism uh, uh, assessment, security assessment We'll cover all those other bases if you, if you do it and if you do it right the first time. And what, what, what we see and what I found in other organizations is this, let's just do them quick. Let's get through them because it takes too much time. It'll take too much effort. We just yeah. need to, we need to get people through this. And, and you, it's a disservice. And then exactly what I said, you end up spending money and wasting money on, on technologies and policies and procedures that don't make sense because a you didn't understand your threat and b you didn't do a comprehensive assessment so those two pieces of the problem, if we can just raise that bar we're we're really doing good
0: yeah well sounds like got Our marching orders hey travis thanks a lot for coming on uh, the podcast today where can we find out more information about Circ?
2: Awesome, man. Very happy to be here. Always good to be great view with you guys. Yeah, you can get it at CERC1.org. Um, and particularly if you want to look up some of those e-learning modules and whatnot, you'll just go to the assistance team part of the uh, website.
0: That's great. Well, hey, thanks again for joining us, and uh, we'll talk to you soon.
2: My pleasure and honor.
0: All right. That concludes Episode 2 of the PSS Podcast. Uh, thank you very much to Travis Moran for joining us, along with Ike. Uh, We have some new content coming out here very shortly. Uh, Some of these next ones are going to be geared toward the installers and also the technology side of perimeter security. Thank you very much for the download. We'll talk to you soon.